0: Still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat us the last line of defense, and here goes Joseph. Joseph's gonna get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes missively on
1: the
2: outside. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans. Plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friends and fellow Bath fans, Tom and Charlie. Charlie, the streak is over. Bath defeat, um, but you're back on. Still- yeah,
1: all, all good things must come to an end, Gabriel. Um, and I guess my luck's run out on this one. The uh, Yeah, the the, the the fairy dust has certainly run out. But hey, uh, it, it was it was a spirited performance and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Um, I'm sure we've got lots, lots to talk about.
0: Mm,
2: yeah, 1638 defeat to Exeter Chiefs, Tom. But yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of optimism about it, despite the fact that that's our biggest defeat to Exeter ever at the wreck. Explain that to me.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think um a lot of the narrative and you know a lot of the chat coming out of the media has been, like you say, um, largest defeat at the wreck. But I actually, you know, came out of it feeling pretty positive for a number of reasons. You know, it's easy to forget that we were actually ahead on points. Um, at the hour mark, and then it just unraveled a little bit in the in the final bit of the match. But I think plenty to take away um, from that game. Um, and you know, as we look ahead, as we mentioned last week, to some potentially easier fixtures. You know, Newcastle away was a tough game, but then Worcester at home, London Irish away, um, and Leicester um, at home after that. So some some potential for to, to you know spring a few wins together, Charlie, and you can take credit for those as well. <laughs> Oh, of course, of course. I mean, it's uh
1: it's the big one up next, though. Newcastle. Um, uh, Gabriel and I have got I've got money on that one. So, who will I be supporting? I don't know. What was the bet?
0: Remind me what it was again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was after after the first after the first round of to Newcastle. I was I was quite impressed with Newcastle performance and ended up putting a uh, putting a bit of money on uh, with Gabriel for Newcastle to finish seventh or above. They're currently sat in seventh, so... I can offer you a cash out if you want, Gabriel, but
2: you won't get your full money back. <laughs> no way am I taking that cash out. I feel like my money seems pretty, sitting quite pretty on Newcastle, yeah. I wasn't as
0: impressed. Well, mean talking about your bets. Um, what was the, <laughs> Dang, I mean, yeah, we, <laughs> Shout them next week. Not what? one we want to get into on podcast, the, on the, but <laughs> um, <laughs> Warren Gatland in the stands... Um, yeah. watching on uh, an incredible try uh, from, from our man Rory McConaughey Um believe you've got an open play for McConaughey to be um, either on the plane to South, South Africa or on the bus to wherever in the UK so that probably did that a few favours as well Yeah, I mean we don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but me and Charlie are both on Rory McConaughey at uh, quite
2: a large price to make the Lions Tour and it did slash in price spectacularly towards the end of last season but yeah, I'm not sure we'd be getting much for our cash out at this point. Maybe we should have had the bet on Sam Simmons, but uh, yeah, we'll-, well,
1: I certainly won't, Gabe, because I drunkenly cashed out the bet. Um, at, just I, I got, I got my tenner back, uh, whatever it was, twenty to one, and it shortened down. I, could, I could have cashed out for about a hundred quid. Left it. He, he didn't make the autumn, the autumn international squads. And I ended, up, um, I ended up drunkenly cashing out the wrong bet. So, uh, yeah, I'm certainly not, not going to be taking home any money, even if he doesn't make
0: the tour or not. So the moral of the story for you, Charlie, is uh, bet responsibly and drink responsibly. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm no good at eating those. Yeah,
2: well, so in this podcast, as you guys say, we are going to talk about the, uh, the trip to Newcastle up north on Saturday afternoon. Um, and, but first, of course, talk about the, the defeat to Exeter Chiefs. Before we get into it, lads, please do follow us across socials at Bath Rugby Plug. Charlie's been tasked with taking over the Instagram account, so um, yeah, his his commitment to the podcast will be showing us how much content comes out on the Instagram account. So that's definitely one to track. Uh, <laughs> and, and Tom's told me that uh, that we should tell them to uh, listen to us on Spotify because Tom worked so hard to get us on there after three years of podcasting. So hit subscribe, uh, review the podcast if you can. Rate it, and most importantly, as we always say, share it with your friends and spread the word. Um, let's get into the game, then, Tom. Uh, and I think aside from the the, the the three penalties we gave away in the first three minutes, that first twenty to twenty-five minutes was was just about as good as it gets from a Bath
0: perspective. Well, yeah, and I think before we come on to you know the the, the game itself, I think we should we should mention. Um, the the returning internationals that came back into into the side, said so Lupe Falatal, but also Sam Underhill um and Beno Urbano, potentially more of a surprise for some, um, but not for us, given our um our resident uh our resident spy um who cited um you know uh, a bit of a captain's run again um and you know we were we were well up on um the you know the, the, the team as it was and Charlie you were you were pretty much spawned with your with your predicted team, and I was very pleased to see who you were. Yeah, well, um, don't want to give away
1: all my sources, but uh I was I was out on a wander, let's say, and uh yeah, I, I spotted the Bath Boys training. Um, and there, there yeah, there were, there were a few boys running around who we haven't seen running around in a while. Uh Sam on the hill for one. Uh, i was, i mean i was I, I you know without going all the way into it obviously it was between us guys but uh i i sort of had a, had a dabble at what i thought the team would be and i was pretty much there uh because yeah they were out doing the captain's run sort of rotating in and out the 23 guys who would be starting so it's quite hard to put down a starting 15 but uh you know it takes a bit of guesstimation and we were almost there but you know it was great uh obviously and that was a bit of a boost i mean, it made us feel a bit more confidently positive uh, on, a, on on Thursday afternoon after uh, after I spotted them doing their captain's run and um, the likes of Mcnally back, Stuke back, seeing Abano running around as well, um, Underhill I've mentioned. So yeah, it was a, certainly a lot of. A lot of quality returning to the starting 23, well, yeah, match day 23, which is, which is great. Obviously, Tom mm-hmm. DeGlanville back as well. So um, quite a few guys who we probably could have done with it the past couple of weeks.
0: Oh, yeah, I think it's, sorry, I was, was going to say, I think it showed early doors, mate. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing we spoke about last week um, was around just losing the collisions early doors and just looking all too porous when, when we didn't have the ball in hand. And I think that was a real area of strength, early mm-hmm. doors, um, ben Urbano I think was the guy that, that stood out again but also Underhill McNally like you say just putting in those massive shots winning the, the game line and just not allowing Exeter to build up any momentum you know when you've got Exeter Chiefs bounding down your line after two or three minutes um, and if, if they score there then it can potentially get away from you a little bit um, and, and Sam Underhill kind of pulls up the, the, the turnover after um, some you know a great defensive set and I think that that did um, set the tone a little bit mm-hmm. for for that first half. We didn't let them play at all when when they had the ball. Um, unfortunately, I think as the game went on, we kind of struggled to to maintain that. But as I say, I think those guys coming back brought a, a great energy um, into into the defensive line in the other part of that game.
2: Yeah, I, I think. We didn't want to. We went to bury that, um, Charlie, a little bit deeper in the podcast. When when the Bath guys listening uh, hopefully have turned off, so they're not looking out for some weirdo with his uh, with his binoculars out. Um, <laughs> I, I think you're spot on, Tom. They're, those guys in defence were were so physical and, and so dominant, and, and it was such chalk and cheese from that first half against Northampton Saints where. We we all we all said that the reason we were playing so poorly was we were just being bullied up front, and that was completely different in that first 25 minutes, half an hour of, of the Chiefs game. Uh, and I think in attack, we we really showed some huge promise, more promise I think than we've shown at, at any point in 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 quite some time, going from coast to coast, side to side, so easily. With, with hands from, from JJ and from Josh Matavesi and from Rhys Priestland, getting wide to the to the two sevens boys on the wing through the hands. And then also, Charlie, getting wide uh, with, with the boot, kicking Rhys Priestland cross-kick, identifying Jack Maunder out on the wing and the height advantage Big Mac had on him uh, and a fabulous finish from from Big Mac and tries.
1: Yeah, well, look, Roy McConaughey did a fantastic job at finishing that try. It was spectacularly spectacular finish sort of inch perfect, knew exactly where the line was, took it without any sort of fumble or anything right above his head. It, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. But I mean, there was, there is uh, Zach Mercer kind of almost screaming for it to come out wide because he, he identified it as well. I mean, that sort of comes, comes together. We've heard a lot over the past couple of weeks as a sort of uh, disparity in trust between the backs and forwards, which, Really didn't seem the case on the weekend, mm. uh, and it was great to see that. I mean, you mentioned a couple of uh, the guys that come back in. I really thought that Benno Obano brought a lot going forward, uh, and Falatow as well. I mean, they like two international guys really showed their class. Like, uh, I mean, he, even in the build up to that crossfield kick, Obano was, uh, was was taking the ball to the line and sort of gave that little inside pass to, uh, to Josh McNally, who just made serious yards up the field. And, I mean, without that, because that sort of that sort of phase going in and you know, providing us with you know such go forward ball I mean arguably you don't then set set yourself up for a crossfield kick from 40 meters out
0: that's what you need as well like how often have we have we spoken about this bath team just slinging the ball out wide and then just being really easy to just drift across and defend i think that having those hard runners back like you said Charlie i think having those hard runners taking the ball um, and offloading and, and looking really comfortable with ball in hand just earns you that right to to go wide and gives you that space mm. that that you need and you know I think well two points I think Josh McAnally threw an unbelievable uh 30 meter fizzing ball off his off his left hand, off his left hand side to Zach Mercer <laughs> brilliant pass like the long passing in that in that early phase of the game was brilliant mm. um and he that must have reminded him of his days uh um, playing in, playing in the Fiji fly half shirt, I would have thought. Um, very loose and fast, but also gone. I mean, sorry, you mean Josh Matadesi? You did sorry, say Josh, you say Josh McNally. McNally, I was trying to, think. yeah, yes. <laughs> very much Josh Matadesi. I think he did it How did I miss that? I <laughs> must have been <laughs> <me> dreaming, <laughs> or Josh McNally dreaming, but yeah, yeah those hands um, were fantastic. It really. was, oh, it was reminiscent to me of almost like 2015, really. We saw. I think for the first time in a long time, uh, like invigorated Jonathan Joseph, mm. who looked sharp, looked to be beating defenders, and was given those those passes that 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 we know and that we know he can. So yeah, brilliant to see those guys uh, finally. I think you know show a bit of promise, but I think it's all predicated um, up front and, and mm. having that dominance that we did. Well, I think sorry, Charlie, before you come back in, I think
2: Jonathan Joseph spurred on by the outside break his his younger brother, eighteen year well, old Will Joseph, made. On, on Friday night for London Irish against Northampton Saints, extremely reminiscent of the young Jonathan Joseph. And I, and I think, yeah, two points you guys have made. I think Ben Abano was was huge. We've all mentioned there now. And I think he, he he's taken stuff that, that Carl Sinclair does for England and he started to put it into his own game. Sinclair takes that ball in first receiver um, for England so well, so effectively, and distributes, always finds the right pass. And Abano did pass it probably forward, um, to McNally to make that 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 go through, and I think Falatau, Charlie, who you mentioned, I thought he was playing on the left wing. Yeah, it was, it was always on, on the left wing, and he's so. I think he did as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did like ah, Six Nations next week. I don't fancy any grunt. I just stand, <laughs> yeah. stand out here. But yeah, he, he's so balanced. Like you, you go, you kind of stumbles occasionally in like trips, but he regains his balance and gets the offload away so well. Wow, yeah, fantastic performance from. From all those guys, and a great try by by Big Mac and tries um, to put us. I think that was to put us seven nil up, and and we went thirteen nil up on on twenty seven yeah, minutes. Ten kind of nil, yeah. 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 So this this was a hugely dominant period, Charlie. Uh, I think I was thinking that that thirteen nil maybe a didn't justify how dominant we'd been, and b I was worried that eventually we hadn't built a big enough lead to to survive the comeback. I mean by the looks of things, 40 points.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, look like oh, it's it, it it was tricky. Like it was it was it was a fantastic opening period, but it, we've seen it certainly right at the start of the season against um against well Newcastle comes to mind in that respect. that ironically, we almost lost the game in the first twenty, thirty minutes. Because mm-hmm. as as you, as you just said, Gabriel, like we were only thirteen points ahead, and it only took two two moments for Exeter to get back into the game, and like really, we should have bit the amount of possession we had, and there was there were several breaks that were made that that we didn't convert into points at all, or mm-hmm. there was there was a knock on. Like, it's, it's sort of tricky. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how we want to structure this. Whether we just work through it chronologically, or, or if Tom, you've you've had a moment to to sort uh, kind of piece kind of key moments together like you did last yes. week. But, yeah. um, it's, it almost felt like we should have been, you know, twenty twenty five points ahead. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it doesn't allow them to play that sort of percentage rugby to get back into the game. They, I mean, they were able to still play quite conservatively. I mean, Exeter are a team that want to go for the corner and actually turn down points as, as they did on uh, two occasions to get themselves back into the game. But uh, it, it, it just felt like we needed, we needed to be more clinical in in when we had our chances and we weren't able to do that. I mean, there's a couple of reasons for it, which I'm sure we'll discuss, but um, I'm not sure quite how you want to go about it.
0: You, well, for, I guess for, first question, do you, it's someone we've, we've spoken about before, um, you yeah, know, Reece Priest is such a banker, you know, um, you yeah, know the 36 kicks in a row I think he's up to now um but 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 do you think when a team when you know you're playing a team like Exeter who will forego those three points and kicks the corner every time do you think the Bath tactic needed to to change a little bit G would you like to mm. have seen um would you like to have seen Bath kicking to the corner in that first half and try and get that lead that you guys are talking about that that, that was so important to, to to kind of stay ahead yeah, I do think
2: that we should have gone for the corner, but because uh, I think it's strange. Because so I think in a normal season, I think you Exeter, you, you, they're almost a banker for thirty points, and so you know, no matter how well you defend, they're going to get sort of twenty-five to thirty points, uh, and so you have to get up there as well to beat them. But then we've seen on a couple of occasions this season recently. So I'm just looking back at their results: only twelve points at home against Northampton, twenty-six against London Irish, and then the previous week. Uh, only 15 against Newcastle and I think not that many against Worcester yeah only 21 against Worcester so it hasn't been their way and I guess with Priestland being such a banker yeah I don't know it's tough it's tough I know I said and I know how it's turned out you know we did only score that one try in that in that first uh in that first half and throughout the game and I think it's A a way of, of building a lead and B, it's kind of a way of maybe getting a point because at the end we've come away with nothing. And, and and going for the four tries, I know it's I know it's kind of adventurous to think of the first 15 to 20 minutes, but I think it's very difficult to be extra despite what we've seen recently, if you're gonna if you're gonna not score upwards of to 20 25
0: yeah, points. My, yeah, I guess my, my counter to that would be I think it is a really easy benefit of hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. But I think when we were trying to build the lead at that point. I think, and Prieston's kicking as he is. I just don't think the 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 kind he doesn't of doesn't miss. I mean, he, there with, with kicking to with kicking to the corner. Um, I, I also think that like we can talk about the the penalties that we we kick sticks, but there were also you know a couple of guilt edged opportunities really that we mm. we we should have scored. So in the first half, for example, that that Josh Matavesi mm. um, kind of basketball offload over the shoulder. Um, um, that the caused the break and, and and you know, there could have been a try down that, that right wing quite easily. And then early doors in the second half, two kind of, you know, key chances really with the Falatel chip and chase down the, mm-hmm. down the left wing where you said he was occupying most of the game, G. Um, and also the Will Muir break when he just, again, didn't quite look up carrying the ball in one hand and, and giving it. And you just think, if we can be a little bit more clinical in really only one of those chances, then suddenly we're up to 20 points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, almost in the reverse to, to last week, when we were trying to stay ahead, uh, sorry, when we were trying to get back into the game, you almost feel that you kind of put distance between yourself and Exeter, so that they're not just one score out of out of striking distance. Mm. Well, yeah, you, because you, you,
1: you well you, you, you force them to play a different style of rugby, and that and that's that's the key thing. Like you force them that they've got to go for the corner at every single opportunity. They've like, they've got to be kicking downfield. They've got to make as much territory, and like you're forcing them to play rugby. We, we did such a good job in that first half an hour actually looking after the ball. Well, uh, no, not looking after the ball, but keeping hold of the ball. Because I think, ultimately, one of the main problems was that we weren't looking after the ball uh, in, in sort of the mo- in simplest terms, we kept on dropping it. And I think our precision throughout the game was, was, a, massive, was a massive issue that stopped us. Really? Uh, like, so just sk- like skipping ahead, I suppose, to the second. Oh, I thought the handling was brilliant.
2: I I, I can barely remember a a
1: drop ball. Well, well, look, it it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, we were throwing the ball around excellently. It was was a perfectly dry day, which, I mean, look, it's a perfectly dry day that infuriated me a little bit because it seems like we've had to wait for, like, excellent weather for us to start throwing the ball around when really we've proven even in games gone by, like against Gloucester, like when we started chucking the ball around, there was some fantastic rugby and that was on a wet Friday night. Whereas now it seems that for the game plan to be to chuck the ball around and actually try to play some rugby, which, showed to, like, which brought so much benefit, we've got such an, such an attacking team that once we threw the ball around, we, we, like, we we're making ground. We 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 were scoring points, we were scoring tries. We looked electric. We, we, we were talking amongst ourselves. We couldn't believe where this sort of rugby had come from. We were seeing we were seeing set piece moves. I mean, mm. I was I was amazed. That's all I've been asking for all week. I mean, some of them were just a little dummy switch pop, but you know, it was still some attacking moves. And I, and it, I, that's what I was I was so happy to see. There was so much intent around the Bath team. But when we actually made some of these breaks like that, Tom de Glanville break in the first half after after. Again, a beautiful Josh Matavesi offload. De Glambo breaks, but then he spills the ball in contact. Like, Will Muir makes a fantastic break, spills the ball in contact. And, uh, like, again, second half. Uh, before we get, uh,
0: maybe before we get there. Yeah, sorry, I'm going on a bit. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's all right, mate. I was, I was just going to say, I just want to say on that first half, I think we mentioned the collisions, Charlie, something that you were big on last week. I think the other two areas of our game where we were poor was scrum and line and that was something this week, you know, the guys coming back in, I think Josh McAnally, huge um, in particular. Mm. I think, again, that was something that we'd really tightened up. So that's something that I was really pleased to see Um Putting the result aside and and put, yeah putting the scoreline aside, that's something I was really pleased to see. You know, clearly those areas have been identified as as weak. There was a change in personnel. Abano came back. Henry Thomas came back in for Christian Judge, and I thought did a did a decent job in in, in the scrum as well. So it's pleasing to see that we're becoming a little bit more um, adaptable. We're we're identifying the the errors in the game week like in, in in the space for a week. And we're solving them against, you know, arguably the top opposition in, in the league. So we'll just make that point.
2: Yeah, we're solving them by bringing back our best players. Like, Urbano and McNally and Dunn, are so key to that scrum and line-out. And that's why it's better. And we'll come on to the, the, the impact mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, no impact that the, the bench had in, in, in the second half. But we're not solving them, I don't think, by improvement of, of the players that are causing the issues on the week. We're, we're solving them by being fortunate enough Due to England releasing players and players coming back from injury to, to have more weight yeah. and, and just better players in, in that front five, I think.
0: I think, that, yeah, that, that's a good point. I guess. Um, I think the the only other thing is that in terms of the game plan, I I, I guess I'm slightly at odds with you with you, Charlie. That I think, I think, I think the tactics were right. I think we had to try and stretch the that extra team. I know, I know that we weren't always accurate, and I know that ultimately we didn't get far ahead. Um, by, by playing that game, game plan in the first half, um, but I think we identified, you know, trying to play wide as a as a mm. key part of the game plan. The other thing that Stuart Hooper said during the interview, which I thought was, um, you know, for a change, a really interesting nugget, was that they had picked the the wingers on the basis of, you know, how well they they compete in, you mm. know, in the air against the Exeter the Exeter back three. You know, there, there might have been some raised eyebrows when Will Muir was picked ahead of. Rocky Aguni and and Big Joe as well, but it's clear that he's been identified as a guy who's going to compete in the air. Um, and I think I think that's the thing. Like if you look back to to the extra game at Sunday Park a few months ago, it is almost that we went there without really a game plan, trying to beat them at their own game, um, and we just kind of rolled over and accepted defeat. Whereas this time, it wasn't it wasn't completely um, it wasn't completely there in a lot of areas. We did we, did, we were kind of um, blessed with a lot of guys coming back. But I think at least the endeavour was there to try and go out and find a way to beat them.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's what impressed me.
0: Yeah, that, oh, sorry,
1: again. just just cut in. That's what impressed me was the intent to actually, mm. uh, yeah, play some rugby, play some proper attacking rugby, and bring these guys into the game. Like you mentioned, Will Muir there. Like no doubt he was selected. He's averaging he's averaging nine meters per carry. Like you, you, you can't not pick someone like that. He is, he is probably one of the first guys on the team sheet at the moment. Uh, like, you, yeah. you putting, putting names aside, the attacking ability that he's bringing, he's causing, he's, he's making line breaks left, right, and center, galloping down the field. But, um, yeah, uh, he, he's one of the first guys he's got to be there.
2: Yeah, Tom, you brought this up when we were watching the game, and I, I don't want to steal it from you, but I'm going to remind me so much of, of a young Johnny May like fantastic quick sideway runner making breaks like <laughs> elusive but kind of when it like just also a little bit inaccurate when he makes the break he's kind of all arms and legs and it doesn't necessarily have that i don't know I get, yeah the deck yeah exactly yeah, yeah. To, to to when he gets makes the break to then make the right decision and to hold on to the ball and i don't know i don't know if it's as simple to suggest as we were talking about tom is like in sevens if you make that break you score whereas i don't know yeah. in, in 15s you make that break and then there's often a fullback, a scrum half or scramble uh, actually a yeah. scramble defense exactly yeah, who who and then you've got to make that key decision whether to to, to pass to kick or to, to try and beat the guy and I think on a couple of occasions we've seen he, he's not made that right decision but, but you're right Charlie when he gets the ball it's it's electric he's so quick and like he's kind of so gangly It's we've we said about Phoebe and friends but yeah Johnny May probably the more accurate
0: rugby comparison I think well and, I think to complete the comparison it'll be interesting to see um, what he'll what do uh, packing down at Flanker when we have our, our next crisis <laughs> in that department <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so just just quickly,
1: I mean, I'll try and put perhaps a little bit of structure into this. I'm probably guilty of the most than just, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> than trying to read through all of my notes in one go. But some of the key points I took away were uh, sort of the uh, the lack of precision. So the second and the execution is one which we sort of touched upon. Oh,
0: um, we kind of
1: we uh, kind, of lost, kind of lost you there a bit. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I was saying um, so what the keynotes I I picked out were uh, second half precision, kind of accuracy, clinicality is one. Mm. Our uh, our selection policy on on the bench and sort of not having any uh, sort of, for want of a better word game changers to come on. Uh, our exit strategy mm. um, and uh, wait. Well, uh, and yeah, I was I was going to say sort of the first well you know internationals and I guess the first half of not being able to finish off the game, but so there there, there are a few points that perhaps we could mm. we well, could let's, talk let's, our
2: way through. Yeah, let's get into the second half and uh, kind of where it all capitulated uh, in a second, Charlie. But I think yeah, so extra came back in the in the last ten minutes of that first half and made it thirteen twelve at half time. You know, a try from O'Flaherty and a try for Sam Simmons and. This is the bathroom plug. And so <laughs> I'm gonna keep this brief. Oh, I know. But what you're can we please calm down about Sam Simmons? Uh, I was listening to Lawrence Delalio speak. But don't I? do know. that then. Well, don't, don't, don't listen to Lawrence Delalio. I can't not listen to Lawrence Dalio and BT don't provide me with an option oh, of Lawrence, no commentary. So, right so please, BT, give me the no commentary. But I'm listening to Lawrence Delalio because I'm forced to. And he's saying he's he's saying that he's the best number eight in Europe. Like Okay, he scored a, a, a try, a, a good try, and made, I think, one good or two good picks off the base. Apart from that, in that game, he's completely anonymous. He does absolutely nothing in defence. I don't see him at the breakdown at all. And he scores that one try, and they go, oh, Sam Simmons, 13 tries, 11 games. How is Eddie not picking him? Or well, because he's actually watching the games. He's not just seeing 13 tries in 11 games. Can we just calm down about Sam Simmons? Put in a performance for 80 minutes around the park, like you see from Tulip Falatao in international games, and then we'll start talking about you. Don't pick and go from a metre, crash over, and Lawrence Delalio go on a spiel about you.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm, um, you're preaching the, the converted here, G. Like, yeah, I, my blood pressure um, you know, gets up a lot whenever I hear those kind of... Those kind of Ultimately, G, it's BT narrative. They, they set it out in the build-up. Yeah, apparently, Exeter are having a crisis. No one's saying Exeter was having a crisis. BT were just saying that people were saying Exeter were having a crisis. Yeah. And then it means that when they win, they can then be like, oh, what crisis? It never existed. It's a complete faux pas. So, yeah, it, the, the, the coverage was, well, I, 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 no. I thought, I thought poor again. Anyway, let, let's go on to Bath. Because mm. um, I, I think, I think Charlie, you picked out, um, you, you picked out a, a few good points there. I think... Maybe the main one we should come on to, because I think it's a it's a really interesting to contrast this to last week was the impact of the bench. Um, you know, we we did bring guys on pretty early in the second half with with Underhill and McNally, obviously coming back from injury. I think there was a you know an element of you know have they started to fade? Are they are they completely back to to full fitness? And, and sadly, as you said, I think Miles Reed aside, who always kind of brings some some energy and and something to what he does. I think our, our front row really didn't add any impetus at all um you know it, 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 you know it, we started going backwards pretty quickly we we started to fade defensively and just lose that energy um in the in the collision and then you look on on, on the extra side for example mm. and they're bringing on some so you know some genuine freshness and, and physicality ben moon and, and thomas francis at prop you know both i thought did did a good job and kind of um, kind of, you know, turn the tide even mm. more to, more to Exeter. So, um, wow. yeah, it, it Impacts the bench, disappointing on that. The Mark Townsend
2: was—he was, was probably the best player on the pitch in my book. If Florence Delallo needs needs my insight, he he really brought some energy and was fantastic in creating two or three of their late tries, which which really took the game away from from Bath. He was fantastic. And Kirsten, the the back rower who came on for you was on fifty minutes. He, he was huge. And you're right, Tom. Judge on fifty, Big Joe on sixty-one, Walker on sixty-two, but Artie on sixty-eight and T N on seventy minutes. And no impact at all. No impact at all. A, a real worrying lack of depth, Charlie, from 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 particularly the forwards coming off the bench.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a tricky one. I mean, like as you said, Tom, we spoke last week about the impact that that front row had when they came on and the ability just to, to sort of swing the momentum. And that's why, uh, I mean, I was not surprised because from what you saw last week, you'd, you'd sort of be a madman to say that you shouldn't be starting Tom Dunn and you, know, you, and you shouldn't be cha- making some changes in the front row. Because that's, I mean, us three pointed out that that was sort of perhaps where the area of weakness was. But it is is—it is tricky in how you spread our, our talent and impact across the 23. Because like Barth have done so many times this season, we've got ahead early on but we've not been able to keep that momentum going. And if we haven't got someone who can, who can come on and make you know, make an impact and, and kick the team on, then it's, especially against a team like Exeter, as you just pointed out, like, what, what are you supposed to do? I probably would have had Underhill on, on the bench, especially a guy coming back from injury. Because if, it's, if you need someone to come on and bring you some physicality, there, there aren't many better people out there than Sam Underhill to come and you know, smash some people back, turn some momentum. And and Miles Reed's been doing such a good job for us all season. He's 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 up there. He's like the third highest tackler in, in in the whole in the whole league. Um, and he's yeah, been winning think- fantastic turnovers. And uh, you
0: know, I I probably would have started him to be honest. I think that, I think it's gone. I. I uh, the, the 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 change I was thinking about was do you have Mercer or Falatau on the bench potentially say Falatau on the bench and then have Tom Ellis at six and maybe Underhill for Reid as well and so then you've also got someone like Falatau or Mercer to bring off the bench to kind of add that bit yeah. of you know handling and an attacking threat as well as as kind of Sam Underhill beasting about and I think what what you're saying I was thinking about it in the week it's it's actually a really interesting point for Bath because. I think that psychologically speaking, when you look at the last season or so of of this team, I think we are better chasing a game than we are trying to stay ahead in Mm -hmm. a game. You look at some of the best results we've had, the the win away against Sale when we came back from behind to win that, the win against Gloucester when we came back from like a 20-point deficit um, to win that game, and then the the Saints game last week when we found a way to to claw our way back into the game. Whereas how many times have we been ahead and just not been able to, to close it out? So yeah, I'm 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 sort of coming around to your way of thinking. To be fair,
1: well yeah, when when you put it like that, Tom, you say. All the games you won this season, they come from behind. All the games you lost this season, we've been ahead by about 16 points yeah. after the first 16 minutes. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe that's true, but I think you've still got to pick your your best 15, particularly against Exeter. If we start, so I think that I think you can do what you want with the back row. We didn't lose the game because of the impact Miles Reed had on the game. He was great, and yeah, we lost a bit with Underhill, but I think Underhill probably would have naturally tired, and I think. Reed had a, had a good impact, and obviously Falatau and Mercer played the Fellati. We lost. Well, we didn't lose the game exclusively, but the impact from the from the front row is is non-existent. And and if we'd started them, we would have if see what Northampton Saints did, up, did to us when we started with that team. We'd be forty points down before mm. we knew it against Exeter. And then there's, there's no chance that we swing that with, with bringing Urbano and, and Dunn and, and whoever, Thomas, off the bench. So we really need to, to highlight, well, we really need to improve that area. And I think maybe we will see uh Is it Detoit, The yeah. South African hooker who we signed. Uh, he's been training now for probably two or three weeks. I imagine he'll come into the fray at some point. Uh, and maybe so, so the young props in, in Kieran Verdon and Will oh. Vaughan uh, I mean maybe worth a go because the impact we're getting at the moment from from Judge and
0: uh, Batty and I, I really don't think it's, it's a up. fine line though isn't it bringing those guys mm, in is, when scrum's is. not working yeah it's potentially not career destroying but it can really really knock not your confidence yeah well, not, not having not having Will Stewart and not having Lewis Boyce Lewis Boyce is a great impact player to yeah. the bench Will Stewart is uh, an absolute dynamo. We, we all know that. He is by far and away the best title at the club. Mm. Um, and so have, not having him and not having Lewis Boyce is, is massive um, when, you know, Exeter have got four international props um, in the in yeah. the
2: 23. That Boyce injury is huge, actually, isn't it? Kind of slipped under the radar, but he, he, was, he was really improving towards the back end of last season, really improving, as a young Lou said, and I think that injury's really kind of cost us. Yeah, impact from the bench undoubtedly a huge um a huge reason why it did unravel so spectacularly, and i think as well charlie just unable to to exit and and get out of our half in that final 20 really eventually cost us with with extra running in four late tries
1: yeah i mean the sort of throughout the game there were a couple of moments where i thought the exit strategy was either it was either poor decision making or poorly executed um I thought a few, a few times. I mean, more more so in the second half. I thought that uh, credit had to go to Exeter's line speed because they were, they were putting a lot of pressure on us. I mean, there was I sort of very briefly mentioned them, but not in much detail. The, there was the, the Zach Mercer pick and go from the back of the scrum um, after about sixty odd minutes, where he sort of picked and went blinds, uh, and we, we hadn't had much of the ball in that second half and. And uh, it, it, was, it was sort of really important that we try, we had a, kind of a, a decent attacking set of phases uh, to sort of, you know, swing, swing, swing momentum. Mercer picks and goes in the back of that scrum, it gets isolated and the ball gets turned over and it's, it's, it's sort of gone after one phase. Mm-hmm. And then again, sort of 10 minutes later, after a, an onslaught of, 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 uh, of extra attack, we, again, another sort of scrum on the halfway line Pass down the line, and Joseph receives man and ball in Ian Whitten who uh, who forces him to knock the ball on. And again, it's sort of off first phase. We've we've not we've not even we're not even been able to, to string a couple of passes together, and we've just given the ball right back to Exeter. So I mean, I've, I'm not what the stats in front of me, but it, it just felt like we didn't have any
0: um, any serious amount of ball in that second um, half. Right, but there's, there's the exact point I was gonna. I was, I was going to come on to make, I think, generally speaking, the narrative from BT and, and the narrative from <laughs> a lot a lot of social media, what you saw is that Bath had all the ball in the first half and had all these opportunities down in the X22 to score. And there, you know, we played the, the kind of, um, you know, all the highlights are of, are of Bath because um, you know we, we played great rugby in that first half, but Exeter had the lion's share, 60% of possession, 60% territory in that first half we had to make far more tackles, almost double the number of tackles um, as extra in that first half, despite what the, you know, what the overall impression of that half was. And that really ties you out. Um, and I think that, uh, I said to you at halftime, I think the, uh, it started to feel like we'd almost punched ourselves out a bit. And, uh, and you know, psychologically, we were only one point ahead going into half time. Mm. Then when we came out into the second half, we faded, our bench didn't have any, any impact. They brought on Fresh Legs, who, who did a great job and they just completely starved us of, of, of all ball. We had, we had 25% territory, 25% possession and 30% territory in that second half. Um, and, and, you know, that makes it pretty difficult to, to hang on to a, to a one point lead. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that the final point I want to make is, uh, I do think we were the less fit team on the day mm-hmm. as well. I think extra, um, Throughout the 80 minutes, as they do against so many teams, they know that you know teams can start fast against them, but they know that down the stretch and then the full 80 minutes, they're probably going to be fitter. They're probably going to be winning the collisions at the end of the game, um, and 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 that's that's how it proved to be. Um, and I think you know we can talk about stuff that happened in the game, but I think ultimately towards the end they were much fresher, much fitter, and and and, and looked much stronger as well. And that's why they ran in those tries. Mm.
1: No, I'd agree. I mean and. I would say, in a large, in in, in a large way, the the scoreline didn't reflect the game. I mean, they they ran oh. 40 points in the last four minutes. So, uh, oh. yeah, well, as, as you said at the beginning of the game, uh, beginning of this pod, Gabriel, that that yeah, I mean, lots of lots of the talk was about it being Exeter's biggest ever win at the Rec, and so on and so forth, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, did, it didn't really affect the, the performance, and there, there were certainly a lot of positives to take mm. away. And I'm not I'm not feeling as down in the dumps. Uh, I wasn't feeling that down in the dumps at all, to be honest, after after the game. So I thought there was there was uh, a lot to be happy about. But perhaps you can tell me, as our resident scrum harp, as we say.
0: feel um, I mean, as I say,
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I did play Scrum off before the lockdown came in.
1: Uh, yeah, you did. I doubt you'd be playing there afterwards, looking at <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, unfortunately,
1: the, the, well, unfortunately or fortunately, this isn't a visual podcast. Um uh, so you don't have to see Gabriel's waistline. But <laughs> perhaps you could tell me uh as as uh as our resident scrum half, yeah. I, I I always baffles me. Um in terms of exit strategy
2: hmm.
1: why would you pass back to the 10 is uh, in the fly halves but where you, where you pass back you know 15 20 uh, yeah 15 20 meters for it just to be kicked when you know, nowadays but especially with the sort of caterpillar ruck it's sort of uh, you know accepted it gives you plenty of time you're not likely to be charged down why would you not kick it uh, from a box kick to Clear your lines in your, in, your, in your 22. I mean, early on, for example, we sort of allowed Exeter back into the game for their second try. We turned the ball over at over a line out. Uh, we've got it uh, in our own 22. And I was thinking, Ben Spencer, he's got, he's got a reasonable angle. I mean, I, I get it why he might pass it back to the 10 to get a better angle on the kick, but at a reasonable angle. And he decides to pass it back into a very shallow dead mm. ball area, Therese Breslin, that puts so much pressure on him. And he's unable to clear, he's, he's unable to clear us out of the 22. And that that's not necessarily Prieston's fault. I'm not blaming that on Prieston. I, I, it's sort of the, the decision to put your 10 under pressure to make a poor kick when you know, scrum halves these days seem to have so much time for a box kick. You know, mm. Tell me why we're, we're not trying to exit it that way.
2: I think you see most teams, don't you, doing it with a scrum half, but I, I do think that. We have seen in previous games, and and certainly last season uh, we saw, Prieston was striking it so cleanly that that it was an advantage to go back to him. And yeah, on that occasion and on other occasions, it hasn't worked. But I think they've almost taken the decision that because he's kicking, he's kicking so well, not just uh, obviously a goal, 36 in a row, but he's kicking so well out of hand. And there were times last season when we would pass it back and he would just get much more ground than what the scrum half would have. But I agree, in that instance, with the small in goal area, it just put way too much pressure on. Him. And I think on that occasion, he should have box kicked. I think if Prieston can give himself, even if Prieston gives himself a 20 meter kind of handicap against the scrum half, the way he's striking it, I genuinely think it's not a bad tactic to go back to him. He's really, he's really striking it well. So, yeah, I, it is tricky. I
1: I, hmm. I, I do appreciate the, you know, why you might pass it back. Um, it, it
2: was so the, it was obviously that one you're talking about as well was the left footer for the, the wrong side for for the left footer, Spencer. He would have had to kind of hook it back across his body into the stand, which obviously would you take off some distance in there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I think
0: case by case
2: with those areas, I do think that, that potentially he, he, he could have
0: boxed yeah, you do You do remove the advantage of him striking it so well when he's so rushed. Yeah. He's got players... Players bearing down on them. Yeah, and that's that's part of it because the dead ball
1: area, the wreck, is, is yeah. so cool I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 four or five meters max, whereas you've got some that are you know ten meters deep, which does make more sense in that situation. But yeah, I I I, 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 I'm, I I wouldn't necessarily say it was just that one moment. I did feel mm-hmm. like the exit strategy, there were a couple of times, and that's one that really springs to mind. There were a couple of times yeah. throughout the game that I thought, you know, perhaps we we should have just cleared our lines then. Um,
2: yeah, I think I think in the, in the second half there, like, we made two errors that cost two tries, so basic errors. So so the JJ drop that you mentioned, Charlie, where he gets man and ball from Whitten and from a line out where we have the ball uh, on our 22, and we drop that line out, and then they have a scrum and they score sort of five or six phases later. And then once you made those small errors against Exeter Chiefs, when they're in that sort of clinical form, it's game over and you just can't afford them. And I think once they got ahead, once they'd gotten sort of eight, eight points ahead or whatever they were, then we began to chase the game and we were playing rugby inside our own 22, inside our own half, which we wouldn't dream of doing. Bath don't do that anyway, but particularly not against Exeter. Um, and, and once we did that with Chudley and with Tian on, they were obviously trying to chase it with fresh legs and, and then it really spiraled out of control. Uh and yeah, the scoreline didn't reflect it. Do you think we
0: one more thing? I know we've talked about this time, but do you think we're being too kind?
1: Well no. I don't
0: know. I think I think I think, I think
1: we all came away from that game as as I don't know. I mean, some people, may, some people listening may, may disagree, but I think? came away from that game thinking there were a lot of positives to take and I, I don't think we were actually that far away. I really don't think the scoreline reflects to the game. I've said it already, but yeah. I, I do quite strongly feel that and I don't think we're being too nice here. I think some, uh, some people played brilliantly. Some people played really brilliantly on the day. Uh, even, you know, Somerset Live, the worst score given was, was uh, in, in the sort of player reviews was, a, was like a seven or something like that. Uh, everyone seemed to have eight or nine, which sort of reflected it. I don't think that's just us thinking that and I'd be surprised if, if there were many people out there who thought that was a terrible performance.
2: Yeah, I think we aren't being too harsh. I think normally we are kind of scrambling at the end for positives or at times we are scrambling at the end for positives. Nor- normally after an extra Chiefs game, we are doing that. And we want we aren't on this occasion, there are kind of clear positives to-, to take from the game. But I think we should be concerned by that last 20 minutes. We, we should be concerned. And I think the-, the kind of lack of, of ability to-, to control a game when-, when it does start to get out of hand is is an issue that we've spoken about that it can just run away from us really quickly, and there have been periods in games when it has done that. And on this occasion, it was the last twenty, and and, and we've we've identified the reasons why. But but I think that should be a concern, yeah. uh, and I, and I do think you know it's sixteen thirty eight at the end of the day. We haven't got a point from the game. We've called six tries. It isn't great, and and to accept to accept that to accept that is is um, is, is
1: yeah, maybe a reflection of where we are, and a reflection of where X are. Just yeah. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, to, to, to keep this moving, but one last point I would say is what you just said, Gabriel. They, they <laughs> tries? No, no, no. They, they scored six tries, and we scored. It was uh, it was just a one, wasn't it? Actually, yeah. Mm. Just just a one try, and that that is what I found quite disappointing. Right. One try uh, from all that attacking ball that we had. And that's why I find disappointed we've played some of our worst attacking rugby and there's been a few individual moments that we've highlighted that, that seem to keep us in games but when we we're playing our best attacking rugby uh, we weren't actually able to score some tries and that, that what is perhaps a bit worrying
2: yeah okay let's move on lads to uh, the game on Saturday uh, Newcastle away weird that it's not on a Friday night for the first time and I can remember Bath aren't playing it uh, Pass on a Friday night,
0: so so yeah, we, that, we kind of looked at the fixture. Yeah, right? I was like, oh, it must be Friday.
2: Assumed it would be. Yeah, so um, I I think that's a positive because normally we don't do so well when we go up there on, on a Friday night. But yeah, Saturday, twelve thirty kick off. Nice timing before the yeah. England. Yeah, quarter to five. If you, if you are brave enough to to put the, the the boys back on. Um, a round one defeat, as we alluded to earlier, at home, twelve points to nineteen. Tom. Bath better than they were, kind of in the, in that first in that first game. Do you think? I think we were quite bullish about our chances on, on that occasion, and we surprisingly. Yeah, it doesn't sound like us. Does it,
0: doesn't sound like us, does it? Going into the new season, all bullish, and then we lose. We lose the first game, um, as we as as we so often do. Yeah, it did feel like you know the the promoted side were kind of riding a bit of a wave, and yet again we kind of um, we kind of fall foul. Um, I, I I do think we've I do think we've improved um over, over the course of the season um as I've said and I think maybe the momentum that, that Newcastle have had has what well, has um petered out they're sitting in in 7th um but they were kind of up in um third or even second I think at one point when Charlie put his bet on um at the early it's still a win it's, still a win. <laughs> it's, um, it's anyway, still a win we could we could leapfrog as well I mean wasps have um, got Bristol and Leicester away to Gloucester. So if um, if our if our West Country friends, I'm going to say now, can do us a favour um, and we can beat Newcastle, then we could uh, leapfrog from tenth position up into um, I guess joint seventh position on 29 points for Newcastle. So um, you know we have said that that table is congested and um, we have got kind of an easier run of fixtures um, coming up. So. Um, I think this is this is a key one to to get back on the horse. Try and um, forget about the result and, and 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 take forward some of the positives we've we've spoken about. Um, but yeah, I mean, any thoughts from you, Charlie, on, on on how we beat this this Newcastle team? Have you watched them play much recently of late? Yeah, I, I've
1: watched them a couple of times over, over recent weeks, and they're one of those teams. Obviously, like, it's a bit of a cliche, but they're certainly greater than some of their parts. They're, they, they're really playing some physical rugby. If they've got some of the guys about like, uh, um, or oh, is he injured? Gary Graham. Is he, is no, he injured? He's he he's no, he's not. He's got No, yeah, he got injured, didn't he? No, but um, uh, look, they, yeah, they've got, they've got a, a, a physical pack. Not many names in there, but a very physical pack. And they've got some backs so you can really turn it on if needed. Uh, I guess one of the, from a Bath point of view, it's a positive that Adam Rabwan is uh, is injured. Uh, he's not going to be about on on the wing because he's been one of their sort of prolific backs. But quite impressed with uh, Matthias Orlando, the Argentinian uh, centre, who's uh, he's been in pretty good form for them. But I, I, look, I sort of highlighted at the start of the season um, that this is potentially a team we should be worried about. I do think that they perhaps caught us unawares. But uh, I, I I would like to think that we can carry on the form that we showed in recent games and put in a decent performance over these guys. Look, they're they're by no means sort of world beaters. They they definitely caused some upsets, and I think they've been underestimated uh, by several teams, Bath included. So, uh, I, I, but I think in a way, our result at the start of the season we probably stop us from underestimating this time rounds and uh we'll go up there I think with a pretty strong team.
0: Uh and we have yeah, Toby floods should... the one for me I think him him, uh, Brett can't, he well when we when we're not you mean well <laughs> he's not playing. He's not playing. No. So I uh, well you're gonna play for a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. So, well, I think when they beat us in the first game of the season, he controlled the game, he kicked sticks. Right. Uh, Brett connan has been taking on that duty and has been pretty wayward, shall we say. So I think that um he's he's clearly a key player for them. He's kind of been there and done it at um with with teams going up and down um in the premiership. So I think if um if he's out, I'll be feeling much more comfortable about another. Another potential potential defeat, but you know we don't have a great record going up to to Newcastle. We 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 always struggled. I was a student up at um, uh, university uh, near Newcastle and went to watch us play when we were flying pretty high and they were they were um, they were wallowing towards the bottom of the table, and we managed to lose that game as well. So um, uh, yeah, I, I you know I think definitely definitely we can. We can do the job. They've got some interesting players, like you say, Orlando. I think Carreras on the wing is good as well. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got, we, you've got to think that we've got enough to beat these guys. Yeah, come on, lads. Well, you, you got... come on. No, no, look, come on. have you? Have you? Let G have, oh, have a word, Charlie. <laughs> okay, okay, these are four. Oh my God, has he? he? <laughs> I think we've... we've Blindly going we've far. Lost we've lost Charlie. Yeah,
2: like, okay, we underestimated the first game, fine. These are pretty average and they're they so poor. Against Sale on Friday night, poor. Looking at their team, they're so, so average. If we don't go up there on on the on an artificial pitch, and I, actually I will just say one point I didn't make about the the, the Chiefs game, credit to the pitch because it was a great game of rugby, and that that newly laid pitch, I'm not I'm not even joking, that newly laid pitch allowed for that great game of rugby. So credit to that. And on the artificial um, wingers flying, De Glanville, JJ, Ben Spencer, I, I can't see us getting beaten by by Newcastle. And we we kind of alluded to we alluded to um, May and Charlie's gambling issues at the start of the podcast, <laughs> but the bookies can't pick them. It's, it's 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 um it's level on the handicap and yeah. If I'm giving any piece of advice, then 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 stick with Bath on that one. Wow. I, I I'm being very confident about this. Play wide, build on that attacking game. Bring these guys. Yeah, we will lose likely Falatau for sure and probably Underhill and Abano, but still we'll have physicality in the pack with Ellis probably coming back in. I'd be Pretty, dis- I'd be very disappointed, lads, if we. Yeah, but know.
0: that we don't, <laughs> that wouldn't be the first time we've said that. Um, yeah, come on, look, look, I'm, you always, I'm, you, I'm always you always, you always it, it so well. But um, <laughs> how you? many times have we heard that? And um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm too uh, long, long in the tooth as a bath supporter to, um, to, to you know hold my breath on those kind of victories. I think.
1: Look, I'm gonna say what I said at the start of the season that uh, I think we'll win and I, I think we should win, but this is not a team to be underestimated. And yeah, I think I think uh, we shouldn't be going up there expecting a twenty point thrashing. Uh we should go up there uh you know, giving this team the recognition that they deserve and hope to come away with uh with a win, a, a best case scenario, a bonus point win. Mm
0: -hmm. I'll I'll say the same thing I'll say it's a game we we should win it's a game I think we will win Um, but I think Bath have so consistently been a team that we've overestimated that um, it it, it may not happen but we should be Newcastle Um, I think it might be close I think it might be a a bit of a Rhys Priestland uh, uh, kicking contest to be honest Um, I'm going to go Bath by four so busy on that
2: fence lads come on Bath by Bath by 15 in in a (laughs) row. <laughs> kick off the kick off on Saturday and in, in in um in the right way and then England to, to beat France and, and start start the path to, to, to World Cup glory. Charlie, what's your what's your prediction?
1: Yeah, cool. Let's go.
0: Bath by five. Okay, there we go. All all predicting. Bath I'm, actually, I'm actually going to write these down because we, we made <laughs> all predictions and then I we can better remember them week to week. I think um, I said Bath by 10 went, against we all went for so. an extra win didn't we so uh, I said by a point and I was there at half time uh, <laughs> yeah. I was
2: with you actually wasn't I <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right I think I said Bath by
1: 10 um, yeah I was there yeah, Gabe when, uh, when have you I mean, ever said by less than 10
2: never <laughs> <laughs> uh, boys you've got to be optimistic um, anyway thank you very much for listening Tom notes down our predictions as I mentioned at the start follow us on socials uh, subscribe share the word Uh, And enjoy the rugby at the weekend, another Six Nations weekend with premiership rugby splattered in between. So get the most of your rugby um, and stick behind the boys through thick and thin.